welcome to the I Get Buckets podcast. I'm your host, Simon Harricks, and today is a very special edition fantasy podcast wrap-up. So we are today going to go through all things that happened in our fantasy draft and reviewing each of the teams as we go through and some of my quick thoughts and, and I guess a replacement of what I usually do in text format, moving into to 2020 podcast review edition. So I guess this one's more specifically for our fantasy team, um, which I think is not really a problem given that they are the majority of what makes up the viewership and the, the listening pod, uh, numbers for our, our podcast here today. So um, we're going to talk everything fantasy, go by team to team um, for the 10 in our league and quick thoughts on all of the picks from your first up to your 15th. If I thought it was a, a stinker or a good pick or kind of a wait and see, which is on a lot of them. So I'm going to try my best to, to be positive, mostly because when I'm negative, it kind of comes back with egg on my face, especially given last year, um, I think my record was 3-14 and 14 to, to finish the season. Extenuating circumstances, I feel, but um, it just feels good to be talking fantasy based on everything that happened last year. And I know that, obviously, with the bubble and the NBA did so well to finish the season, we had basically an abrupt finish and no real result in fantasy and everyone was kind of left in the lurch as we were halfway through round two of the playoffs and especially those teams that were still fighting for glory and and finding themselves quite well placed to potentially bring home the trophy this is I guess uh, another shot to to get back to where they were and hopefully they're happy with the teams but I think it's going to be a lot quicker and save me a lot of time going through it one by one but still able to, to get my thoughts ready for next Thursday with the tip-off of Golden State and Brooklyn Nets for our first game of the season. So without further ado, we're going to start with the hateful Aiton uh, team with drafting number one pick. So we go snake draft, obviously. So it was uh, no um, shock on anyone's. We haven't had a as undoubtable number one pick for a while, I think. And um, you can say what you want about Milwaukee Bucks and what they do in the playoffs, but the regular season numbers are um, unforgettable. You can't go past it. There's nothing more to say. Giannis Antetokounmpo, pick number one for the Hateful Aiden, and um, there's nothing bad to say. Let's move on. The best thing or the worst thing about having pick one is obviously having to wait all the way to pick 20 for, for your next pick. And I think I say it every year, but it ends up working all right because not only do you get two cracks really quickly um, and you get yourself what you'd probably have in your rankings as two players uh, within the top 20 and you can kind of wait and see who falls down the playing list. And one player that I've mentioned a couple of times now that is someone that you just really can't take in the first round or even sometimes early in the second because of the history in the last two years of resting games. But if he was going to play all the games, he's a star top five player you'd think in the NBA, and that's Kawhi Leonard. So I think Kawhi Leonard at pick 20 is not quite a steal, but I'd be very, very comfortable with taking him here. Um, on my rankings, I had him at pick 15, and I think... The only thing that's stopping him from, from being a, a real kind of, um, not a home run, but a real you know solid addition for, for MJ with pick two is the fact that 
if he misses back-to-backs again, um, they seem to manage him through the season. A lot of the things with the Clippers a little bit up in the air. Last season, it was a lot more, I guess, known quality, I thought, with the blueprint being set with the Raptors that the the Clippers were going to kind of um, mimic what make, made Kawhi feel so comfortable um, in Toronto. And I guess, you know, when with the Raptors winning the title, it was, it was almost silly for them to, to deviate from some of the additions or, or, or roadmap to, to managing Kawhi. So this year, I guess there's a little bit of a, um upside, I think, to thinking that the Clippers are going to do things a little bit different and maybe put it on Kawhi to, to, to play a little bit more. Um, the issues with chemistry and, and, and getting, I guess, more out of the regular season might be more of a, a priority for the Clippers, I think. So I think going with Kawhi here is, is, is another no-brainer. He was still there for MJ, and I feel like he was very happy to take him. So I think Kawhi Leonard, pick 20, no problem. And then straight off the back, you go 20 to 21, and DeAndre Aiden, the inspiration for the hateful Aiden this year, is someone that I had ranked even above of Kawhi. So I had him on my big board at 13, and I'd be stoked if I was I was MJ to get, to, to get DeAndre Aiden here. I think DeAndre Aiden has a long way to go in terms of his his game to, to be in the conversation for some of the, the best big bands in the NBA and leading sons to, to playoffs and beyond. But we just know from his raw um, fantasy output last year, um, average in our league of the 27.2, but that he's only really <laughs> beginning to show us, you know, that's more of the floor, I think, for him rather than the ceiling. And for someone that averages that amount of points, um, just the sheer rebounding numbers. I think he's one of the safer um, players that um, is on the big board here for me in terms of what you can get from you know 15 to 25. So I think to be able to get him at pick 21 is is a real upside play and and someone that you'd be very happy with knowing that you know he have to wait another wait another 20 turns um, every time you pick and then you can you can. Put up DeAndre Aiden um, in the bank as a real safe um, player that you know I think will, at the end of the year, potentially even be in the conversation to be a, a top ten player. That's um, just how I think safe the floor is for, for Aiden, and if he can improve to, to shoot the three with more efficiency and, and be able to take them, and I know that that's something that they want to add to his game, and with Phoenix being a little bit more dynamic, but his his position in in the team is quite safe. Um, you know them spreading the four may only be of a, a benefit to Aiden. So um, big tick on my end um, for this fic, and I think the hateful Aiden team would be be stoked to get it. Now, big wait, as we said, we go all the way through to round four and um, pick number 40 next. And by this time, a lot of people, you know, falling off the board quite a bit, and one that would have been staring at a lot of people and that is the fantasy output of DeMar DeRozan here with pick four um, for the hateful Aiden. And again, I think benefiting from other people not wanting to to, t- to take this pick, um, he's one that I felt um, hard to place almost on my board just because of the, the average of 25.5 and a track record, knowing that this is probably a, a safe you know um, expectation. His his average over the last few years hasn't really, um, you know, wavered from from someone who we know 
is a higher usage um, fantasy first option. And, you know, with the Spurs not making too many additions and barring a, a trade, I think the, the expectation is to mind a rose and just kind of, you know, does the, the shit he's been doing for 10 years and goes out and gets you buckets. Um, I think we can put away the three. Um, he's, he's shown a reluctance to do that. And I think in terms of general basketball play, there's a real concern um, about that. But I think from a fantasy aspect, looking at the numbers, you kind of don't want him to take the three and, and play within his, his means and kind of do the things um, that, you know, Cope, Potch, um, Cope Pop lets him just kind of work the mid-range, um, get to the free-throw line, averaging the amount of points that he has. Um, it's one that I know, you know, coaches would be looking at the fantasy boards for, for more upside in your round fourth pick. And, you know, we see players like, uh, Pascal Siakam, Darren Fox, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, you know, all go a little bit before him in round four, but, and I think uh, probably rightly so, given, um, you know, some teams want to put in that, that fantasy potential rather than going to, to DeMar, but there's every chance that at the end of the year, DeMar DeRozan, again, you know, finishes higher than D'Angelo Russell and Jamal Murray in terms of their average, um, just because he does what he does, so... Um, it's hard to get super excited about it, but I think when you um, go around three and four and you you go eight and then DeRozan and just kind of stock that talent uh, to go with Giannis, um, you can afford to take a little bit more risks um, later in the draft. And I guess we'll go through the list here and see um, if he does that and if we, if we feel good about it. But um, on, its, on its own, DeMar DeRozan at 40, it's hard to have a problem with it. Um, and then bang bang Zach Levine next uh, pick 41 so first of round 5 we've shown and seen last year that you know Zach Levine as a number 1 fantasy option in Chicago is is very handy average of 23 last year and if you can get something you know replicable for that I'd be I'd be very happy for it um, I did have him at number 48 on my big board let me see, 45, sorry. Um, so around about the right mark. It, it, it's had to fold it. I, I, you know, I did have a little bit of concerns about, you know, Chicago this year, new coach, you know, what they're kind of trying to do, leaning in um, to other players around him with the production of, you know, potentially Kobe White running the show a little bit more. Um, obviously, Larry Markinen, um and Wendell Carter being other two high draft picks that they want to do stuff with, Zach Levine kind of stands out given I think he's the only player really on their roster that's not on a, a rookie-scale contract in, in some capacity, which makes it um, a little bit jarring in terms of what his, his role is if you don't think that he's the player to build a playoff team around. Um, but, I mean, that's up to the organisation and, and us as coaches to kind of think when um, you want to draft him. I know there's some concern that... He will be traded, and I think any trade is probably bad for his value, given what you want from him is a, a high volume scorer that you know has a usage where you know he chips in with counting stats around him. So, um, fine player, um, season will kind of tell. Potentially a touch early if you're if you're a little bit con- concerned about the risk, but if he stays in his role, um, we know how dynamic he can be, and there's no reason why he doesn't finish kind of where he um, is being drafted in terms of um, final rankings or even a little bit higher. So um, happy for that. Just thoughts. 
Again, big weight. He's able to, to score Malcolm Brogdon on the way back. And Malcolm Brogdon's probably, um, along with Brandon Ingram and potentially a couple of others, one of the most improved in terms of fantasy averages and um, bump-ups from, from last season. We've seen that when he was healthy, Malcolm Brogdon was basically the second um, you know fiddle in terms of fantasy for the Pacers behind Sabonis. And... While there's you know a few kind of turning pieces and question marks on on Oladipo um, moving forward and his role kind of controlling the ball, I think there's nothing wrong with uh, Malcolm Brogdon here. Um, I know potentially for some people it it might have been a touch high, but I think overall again just kind of go back to my my rankings. I had him at 58, so basically where he needs to go on, on, on my end. Um, we've seen that, you know, he's an efficient scorer. He can really shoot the three. His usage, you know, might be a question mark, but I, I think they're trusting with him with the ball, and, and there's nothing um, too flashy or exciting about this pick. But, I mean, he does what he needs to do, so all good. I guess he's the first point guard that he's taken. Um, and going down his list, he, he, he gets some late, but I guess he, he starts for um, the hateful Aiden in terms of the point, and your, your starting point guard at pick 60 really depends on where you've gone with, with the rest of the draft, but I think I think Malcolm Brodong's fine here. The the question mark for me, I guess, is an interesting one next with pick 61, and that's Aaron Gordon. So, Garen Gordon, Garen Aaron, Aaron Gordon has had lots of fantasy fantasy potential um, and we've seen him I think over the past five years go anywhere from pick 20 something up to pick 80 something um, and that's all got to do with his potential for counting stats as well as being a, a rough you know, around the edge of score but someone you know who's athletic and dynamic and get to the rim by also trying to add a little bit of more of a, a shooting game I know when he's wide open threes um the stats are not that bad. It's the real contested ones and him trying to, to, to make his own shot where you can get some of the efficiencies and it really hurts your um, your stats for, for Aaron Gordon. But I think here you're going to have to risk it a little bit and it's a little bit early for me, um, just potential on my board, which is a little bit rough <laughs> that we've thrown together, but um, he was on the back end around 68 I think it was, so 69, nice, um, we'll see how Magic does, with, with Jonathan Isaac out, there's a little bit more of a, I guess a room for him, I think, to, to work, um, the Magic are a little bit weird with what they're doing, I think most people expect them to, to fall out of the playoff race, where they've just been middling, you know, in the eighth seed for the last couple of seasons, um, but, when you look at their fantasy potential with, you know, Isaac out, Cole Anthony's the only real addition um, there. And I think, you know, Vucevic and Aaron Gordon, you know, were your, your staples of your, your fantasy squad and kind of kept their, their, their rankings and what they've done for the past couple of years. Um, I just don't know if there's any real kind of leap for Aaron Gordon that we haven't seen yet. He is a little bit... Um, you know, on the trade market, if you if you listen to some of the rumors, and if you can attest to a, a team name that's still on our website in terms of Aaron and, and Blake are dog shit, it's not exactly a, a rousing um, 
I guess, tick of approval for, 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 for Aaron Gordon's um, effect on a fantasy team and, and positive influences moving forward. But I guess um, for the hateful Aiden, it'll be all about team culture and what they're doing. So if they can bring in Aaron Gordon to get um, some real, you know, benefit and squeeze out the fantasy potential that, you know, has been shown in glimpses, then it, it could turn around to be a quite a good pick. But I think there will definitely be some trepidation and, and hesitance in, in wanting um, everything to come together for him. So I watched this space one, a um, little bit of worry, but the fantasy potential is, is really there. I mean, you know, it's only touch early for me. Um, big weight, and he's gone twice now, pick 80 and 81 on some real question mark players. But again, the upside is kind of too hard to, to miss. Um, and pick 80, he's gone double if we go back to, you know, the inspiration and fantasy name of Aaron and Blake, a dog shit. He's gone bang, bang, <laughs> which would have um, made some coaches in our um, league squirm in going Blake Griffin at pick 80. Blake Griffin's a really confusing one, only because he literally is only two seasons removed from averaging um, I think it was a 25-point-something in our league and, you know, going round three and justifying that position with his expectation to the season that was last year where he couldn't get on the court. Um, the inefficiencies kind of showed through and it was really hard for for any any coach or anyone to put really any stock in Blake Griffin. Um, but for whatever you want to read... Uh, Blake Griffin is as healthy as he's been for a while. He's looking good. All the Detroit coaches are saying wonderful things, which, of course, they are at this stage of the season. But I think you can you can buy into some of it. And with Detroit's roster, the expectation is that Blake Griffin um, can be the best fantasy player on a team. And you know, if you can get a, the best fantasy player on a team at pick eighty, um, you're laughing. So, uh, really confusing one. I had him at 61 on my board and I have a little asterisk next to him and that's because um, the expectation that he was going to slip a little bit um, and not to get too ahead of myself and taking him but I think he has to be afforded you know, some of that respect given what he's done and what he can still do. Um, so I, I think it's 100% worth the risk. Um, as I said, pick 80 I think you, you, you roll the dice and, and you're more than happy to, to bet on the upside. And if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. Um, but I think it's the collective amount of risk you're taking with the squad. Um, and as I said, if you want to go Aiton, DeRozan, even Brogdon, other guys in, in his roster that have been, you might want to say, like safe in terms of your floor ceiling production, I'm happy to to roll the dice on someone that can kind of put you over the edge. And I think in the case for this team, um, he wants, you know, coach um, was in the, the, the prelim final, whatever you want to call it, in terms of two wins away from, from ultimate success last year and wants to, to get back to, to that position um, to, to win something that he might have felt like he had one hand on last year. So you do those things in, in the expectation that you need some star factor and things to break your way to, to make it all work. And Blake Griffin at pick 80 is, is worth worth the risk. Pick 81, though, and I don't want to be too 
down on Hassan Whiteside because of how um, influential he was for the same team last year in terms of its production. And I know there was extenuating circumstances in Portland with um, Yusuf Nurkic being out until the bubble, but stats don't really lie in terms of his average of 27.1 last year. So Hassan Whiteside is someone... I really didn't want to play with again because of his unknown role at the Sacramento Kings and there's a little bit of a concern personally that it's just not a wide open, you know, walk into, you know, the center position um, with Rashawn Holmes and, and especially Marvin Bagley the third for me. So it's gonna come down to if Hassan Whiteside can carve out um, the numbers that he has in, in a smaller workload. And I think there's a lot of track record to say that this will happen, especially even back to his Miami days when he was coming off the bench. Um, they made the move with, you know, um, Adebayo obviously going ahead of him. He was still averaging, you know, a double-double with, you know, 18, 22 minutes a game. And, you know, if someone can average a double-double at pick 81, um, it's almost a blessing. The big concern here is that, he goes, depending on how the Kings are and how Bagley plays and, and how, you know, Hassan plays, that you get a little bit of, you know, this Ennis Cantor kind of um, downside that he stops playing. That's the concern, that he goes from someone who's averaging, you know, 18 to 22 minutes or even more if there's injuries to someone who is out of the rotation. And you can see by you know he you know he gets a, a late free agency offer you know to come for one year with the Kings. He there's there's every possibility that that happens, um, and that's why you know I assume other teams are really not wanting to to bet on someone who may not be in their team um, when it's all said and done um, within you know your first ten picks. So there's the downside, but there's the upside as well. Um, I don't really have too much else to say because I'm always a bit negative on Whiteside, but 30.8, <laughs> I'm looking sorry now, is what he averaged last year, which is bananas and, you know, puts you in a top 10 um, <laughs> pick. That's how that's how much of the upside there was last year. Um, and in terms of my big board, he was um, pick 71. Again, with an asterisk on it. So I like it in a nutshell, but <laughs> I, 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 if you, when I do my team, you see it, you know, everyone who had the opportunity to pick him before round nine didn't, and I think the concern is because he might be a zero, but with someone who averages 30 um, last year, you got to do it. Next, and I know he's played, he's been on a, a um, this coach's uh, squad many times now, including last year, but Eric Bledsoe comes in at pick 100 and pick 10 for the Hafer Laden. Um, new team for the Pelicans. Um, there's you know there's there's concern about um, his you know contributions um, as a player in playoffs. But I think if you just go by his averages and, and what he's done for fantasy teams in the past, you know three four seasons at least, an average of eighteen point nine um, as a player is, is is very respectable and someone that you would take at, at pick a hundred if you were just looking at stats. Um, there's a concern about his, you know, role, whether it's Lonzo Ball or, you know, Brandon Ingram, you know, dominating a lot of the ball. I don't really know what it's going to be. And, and sometimes with, with 
players who you know move teams. There's a there's a real a real concern and, and question mark, and that's why they might you know drop off a little bit. And if you can replicate last year, I'd, I'd be very happy for it. Um, it's not too much down to say because it's a pick hundred. Happy to do the risk, uh, excuse me. And I just think you know it's it's a tendency for for, for teams uh, then you see with MJs that they're you know not on the front end of their careers um, and there's a few of them still to come that overall the the age bracket is a little bit old and if I was doing the, the right reviews I would put in the time to work out the average age but I'm, I'm not going to do that this time around but um, they're, they're, they're people that you kind of know what they are um, but there's the the upside's lacking, I guess, for, for a lot of these players. So if you can bank on what they've been, um, again, he's going to be right in the thick of it. But if things, for whatever reasons, don't go as well, he needs to be active um, in free agency to, to kind of top up. Um, and Bledsoe, you'd hope, stays on a team or, or does a lot more. Um, and I'm mindful that last year I probably um, had negative things to say about it as well. But... I think Bledsoe makes less sense on the direction for the Pelicans and we'll see how we go with what he fits into the team. But, you know, I think he's done. He'll get to the rim. He'll give you some counting stats. He's not been a you know, huge assist guy ever, but it's fine. We'll see. Um, next pick, 101, is DeAndre Jordan. I, I really like this pick regardless of what I said in terms of everything being old, but... The, this is the contingency, and I think we said on draft night that he starts for Brooklyn. Um, I, I mean, even if he doesn't start, we've seen last year um, him coming off the bench basically sharing the same amount of minutes um, as as Jared Allen as a, the center for the Brooklyn Nets. That didn't really matter when it, when it came to his, his points anyway. Um, but I think it's a, it's a tick in terms of his fantasy value that um, they basically fired Kenny Axon, and one of the reasons why... Um, at least some of the rumours is his um, reluctance to play uh, DeAndre Jordan in the centre and the push from both Kyrie and Kevin Durant that you know DeAndre Jordan was part of the package deal to come and that they're um, a player that you know should be starting um, and for reasons that I won't get into um, whether you think that's right or wrong I think for his fantasy value it means that he'll play 25 minutes a game um, and we know that if he's playing 25 minutes a game, he, he's getting enough rebounds just purely to make him worthwhile fantasy option. And any other points that he does get in terms of putbacks um, is just gold. We've seen his free throw percentage improve um, drastically. We've seen his passing game actually improve as well. Um, so for 101, I think DeAndre Jordan will look back and, and again, you know, for multiple years in a row, just see a, a completely bankable average um, that is fantastic and I have no issues with this here um, 60, 80, I had him as 87 on my big board so there we go Mike Conley, Utah is his next pick all the way back in 120 so round 12 uh, entering now um, or the back end round 12 and Again, it's it's hard to get super excited about, um, you know, a Mike Conley pick <laughs> um, in 2020 to 21 uh, season. So it's going to be fine. Like, 
but as we saw last year, um, he, he, the start he had was um, so scary that he was he was you know borderline un, unrosterable on for you know five six week stretch. I think it's not that bad. Obviously, you know he's felt his way into Utah and he's become important part of, of what they're doing in their playoff pot um, push. But there's just some concerns, and the concerns I guess lie. Um, with how much, you know, he can do for you at, at that age. But I think, you know, if the shooting, you know, remains there, he's, he's still a three, good three-point shooter. Um, you know, they're paying him enough money for him to, to be involved. It's, you know, just if a few of others, you know, kind of go past him and where his fantasy value is. Um, and, you know, depending on some of the bench scoring, if a lot of the other, you know, role players can pick up some of the scoring, I think it's not going to impact Mitchell or Gobert's value. It's going to impact Conley's value. So... Depending on how you feel about him, um, 120 again's late, but I think I'm more excited about some of the other guys that people have uh, have gone for here. Um, and he's, he's he's doubled down a little bit on his, his safe picks, um, which may ring very um, smart and successful at the end of the year. But as you go down the list, um, it's just not hard <laughs> to get excited about Mike Conley at the moment. 121 um, is my boy, Derek Favors, and I'll never not be, um, I guess, happy <laughs> to, to, to someone taking Derek Favors and, and never be too positive about that. So more than happy with that. I think, obviously, the, the big thing for him is moving back to Utah. I think we've seen it work with him next to, to, to Gobert, um, especially picking up some of the, the rotations if they want to you know, rest Gobert and go a little bit small. Um, Obviously, I reckon we're going to see Favors play both um, the four and the five. I think what we saw last year in um, the Pelicans is still a bit of a, a blueprint for what he does. You know, he's a he's a more, I guess, um, dynamic scorer compared to Gobert, and he can he can post up. He can um, shown to you know have an appetite for shooting corner threes, and if that can develop, it it's it's even more. But he just a well-rounded fantasy player that throws in a couple of steals and a couple of blocks. Um, if you're lucky, you know, rebounds quite well and is fairly efficient in his scoring. Um, I think he goes under the radar now um, and people might be a little bit, you know, concerned about his his role moving teams. And, you know, you look at his average of last year and say, you know, he's actually going to, um, you know, stay and, and, and got to move with him to over to Utah. And I think there's... Not a lot to say that he won't, and at 120 to back end your team, um, I'm more than more than more than happy for that. I guess it's the one, two, three, fourth center that he's taken, um, which is fine, especially with DeAndre Ayton, I guess, as your first one. But um, yeah, there's there's concerns on Whiteside and, and he's, he's he's gone a little bit old with some of the back end centers. Um, and centers, as we know in our league, is the most, um, I guess, unflexible position and, and can fill in the, the least amount of roster spots on our um, team. But again, I don't think, you know, your positions are a real, you don't, you want to draft, you know, lightly to position, but it's not something that I'm really holding to when I'm drafting, um, as I saw, because it became a concern with shooting guys for me, but um, it's fine, Derek Favors. Um, rounding out to the last two picks, um, Goran Dragic at pick 140, and then at 141 is Darius Garland to round out the team. So Goran Dragic, 
we saw in the playoffs he was the, you know the leading scorer for Miami for the first two rounds, um, and if you can get anything that looks like that, you'd be more than happy to take him with the second last pick of your team. Obviously, his regular season wasn't you know that fantastic last year. He was almost an afterthought until we got into playoffs. Until people remember, oh Jesus, the dragon. <laughs> he still he still got it. He still you know can can really lead a team um, with you know Jimmy Butler as 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 the supporting to do a lot of the you know the boss man stuff. But in terms of running the plays and kind of getting the ball where it needed to go, and you know summing up, you know, the offense and what they needed to do and when they needed a bucket and making a big shot, it was it was huge and I think it's more than worth a punt at the back. Again, it's an old <laughs> player. I've got injury concerns um, for him and I'm sure MJ would too, but why not? Um, at the end, the upside's definitely there. I think Darius Garland is a predictable but not a bad last pick. Um, historically, he's rookie season was was quite poor and I'm sure um, the organization and himself wouldn't be you know resting on their laurels in terms of making sure that this this season there's um, a large increase in in performance and, and fantasy output for our um, concerns and I know the raps on him um, before it was drafted were really big I know um, even after a couple of glimpses in summer league when that used to be a thing um, people were really excited to see what he could do. Um, there's still, you know, lingering concerns about, um, I guess him with Colin Sexton sharing the floor, um, and I guess him being more, you know, off ball, they've listed him as a point guard, um, here, but I'm assuming he's more of a, a shooting guard when all said and done, unless I'm misreading what Colin Sexton's going to do. Um, and I think as your last pick as a Cleveland homer, then why not? Like <laughs> I, I'd go for it. I think there's players that were left over that were probably um you know better better options but um it's, it's hard to, to you know say any bad things on you know a player that can really take the, the step and you know um get together his potential and then if things go well then awesome if not it's okay we've got plenty of um free agency picks to go so that's the first pick or the first team to, to wrap up out of 10 so um, I wasn't expecting to, to use close to 35 minutes on, on, on each team, but here we go. Maybe this podcast will have to be broken up a bit, <laughs> but um, that's fine. It's a lot quicker than winding it up still. And hopefully we're still ticking the box and getting some um, previews and some thoughts on your players and, and getting some intel moving forward um, and opportunities to, to tell myself that um, you told me so, which is always fun. Um Pick number two, we're going to go straight into the previously team newbie now has permission to change his team to live in, La Vida Luca, and that's because pick two is Luka Doncic, and what ended up being a no-brainer, which um, I thought <laughs> originally doing my rankings, I was a bit of an outlier bumping Luca up to two on my big board, but I quickly found out that... Um, I was being an idiot, and of course he was number two. Everyone had him at number two, so um, people people have been switched on, or uh, maybe I'm just a, a dope and think I'm a lot better than I am. But it's a bit obvious actually when you look at the averages, and when I when I sat down and looked at thirty three point two last year, you're like, oh well, of course <laughs> he's everyone's number two. 
Um, he's young. He's what you know people have put down as you know the next generational talent to kind of lead these guys um, and Dallas to you know multiple playoffs. And it's someone who I would think is firmly affixed to the top five moving forward. And barring injury, and there was you know some concerns last year, especially you know thinking he was quite banged up by the end of the year, but. Um, I, th- I think there's nothing you know you, you draft with a concern um, with him. I think he's 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 going to play you know as much as he physically can, and he's going to absolutely lift Dallas on the back. The usage rate is going to be um, you know James Harden and Trey Young kind of esque, but you know with like more meaty possessions. I think um, the shooting needs to get better, but it doesn't matter at this point with the, the, what he's doing in his terms of overall counting numbers. But if the shooting, you know, goes up, especially from three, then, you know, he's, he's has the potential to push, you know, Giannis for, for best NBA fantasy player, you'd think. Um, so no qualms there. You'd be absolutely stoked to, to pin your team um, to Luka Doncic. And I think, We've done that double with with the name Livin Levita Luca, um, which gets my ticker approval. I'm happy with that one. Um, and then next, you've got a little bit of weight, but it's not as much obviously as pick one. You have to slip all the way back to to pick nineteen. And I think um, someone you know we've seen as a as a young player breaking out um, in Luca happened quickly. Another big breakout from from last year is. Bam Adebayo, um, who I think is perfectly placed to be taken here at 19. Um, in fact, I had him at 18 on my big board, so I think I can't be anything but, you know, um, not in agreement to, to Bam Adebayo. I think there was um, some hope that he'd slip farther, but again, um, I feel like everyone's pretty savvy, and it's hard for people to, I think, really slip in the first two rounds. Um People know who they want and people are going to get him. And I think Bam Adebayo is a great get. I think he's going to, you know, anchor down Miami like he did last year. And, you know, the rebounds. And I think we've shown in the playoffs his ability to, to get to his spot. And, you know, a little bit more of a, a post moves. And, like, um, uh, I guess his, his mid-range shot, especially if um, coaches, you know, put someone who to defend him who they think is, you know, an advantageous matchup. Um, Spurs really shown that he could just, okay, let's get the ball to Bam and fucking help him cook, um, which has has big, you know, positive implications for um, a fantasy output, and I think it is a great pick. Next, um, I guess he doesn't have to wait too long. And again, um, two years in the league, two times drafting Shade Gugis Alexander, I think, from memory. Um, with this pick, you are banking on the fact that Oklahoma City have no one anymore. And with three, uh, you know, card rotation last year, he was absolutely fantastic. So with, you know, him being the man now, he's the man which... Um, I mean, jury's out whether, you know, he should be, I think, in terms of a win um, kind of outpack. But from a fantasy um, aspect, he's got all the tools in terms of a, a, you know, counting stats person who's, you know, efficient. I think the shooting, again, you know, can can get better. But, you know, it's, it's at a, um, a standard that is very respectable in the NBA and an average of 21.8 last year. You'd think he could have a real, real big jump. Um, and that's what I think you have to bank on taking him at pick, um, 
or round three with pick 22. I th- you know, there's an argument that it's early, and I think <laughs> we'll see by the, the time everything's said and done, whether it's a, a, a touch early. Um, I had him on my board at 30. So that gives you a little bit of uh, a look into, you know, I think it, it, it might be early, but it's it's one of those ones that um, the upside is, is, is really kind of there. And if you want to take a swing, um, I'm, I don't really hate it um, too much. Um, I think... He, you know, he has that potential to go from his 21.8 last year to, you know, 26, 27, if things go right. Um, and we'll, you know, be looking at the end of the year where he's um, a top 20 player for sure. I just think the, the concern is um, that we're not sure 100% on how things are going to go with OKC, um, even if he's a clear... Um, standout and the, the you know the players that get drafted after him immediately are Andre Drummond and Rudy Gobert who have multiple years in the NBA you know with their average of 27-28 so if things break right for Shea um, he may only you know finish with an average of guys that have fallen just behind him um, and if things break wrong um, you know you've taken some guy in round three where you could have really um, gone a little bit safer with some of the other guys. Um, I'll talk about Andre Drummond when the time's right, but <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a little bit of concern there, but I think the upside is, is so big that um, you can't be too down on that, and I think he's going to be fantastic this year. Um, next is all the way to pick um, 38, yeah, and it's an unsexy... Um, pick here, but he's unsexy pick every year. Pick thirty nine, sorry, Chris Middleton um, for the Milwaukee Bucks. So he he was one that I, I found really hard to to place, only because you know an average of twenty three point one last year is uh, fantastic and and something that you really take in round four. But um, you know concerns on with Drew Holiday and you know some of the the things that they're doing, you know. <laughs> I think I think the twenty three point one in in my head at the moment is more of the ceiling of kind of what you're going to get from um, Chris Middleton. Again, I mean it's been said a few times that he's he's a player that is so underrated now that over um, he's called underrated so often that he's mostly overrated now. I think a little bit, um, and yeah, it's 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 hard to to see him outperforming what he's going to have done. But at the same time. Um, the, you know, the second or third option on a team that is aiming for the top of the East, um, who, you know, fits the modern NBA ball so well, has shown that when, you know, Giannis is either hurt or injured or suspended <laughs> as a, after headbutting a guy, you know, he's more than, you know, happy to kind of take over more usage if he needs to at a really efficient um, way. He's, you know, got the skill set to really fit in to what the Bucks are doing and what, I guess, the modern NBA template is and... Um, while it is unsexy, while it is potentially a touch early again, um, I think it's 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 a good player to round off your team. I would have loved him um, around later. Um, on my board, I had him as forty three. So it's it's only really a, a, a touch earlier. One, two, three, four, forty three. Um, yeah, it's fine. Pick 42, I think, is a lot more interesting uh, in terms of Jalen Brown. And I think it's a very 
Uh, I think it's the right time for him. I was going to say it's a very good pick because I like him and every time I kind of doing my big board, I'm like popping him up almost because of the idea of, of Jalen Brown um, and having him last year after a trade, you know, he had stints where he was one of the most reliable players on my team. Um, he's fantastic if you look at, you know, some of the splits for his shooting in terms of corner threes. Um, they've got, done a really good job of their running plays where he kind of pops out there because they trust um, him to make the right decision if it kind of gets stuck. Um, you know, he's, he's a very athletic, good rebounder for his, his size. There's just, you know, tendencies for him to kind of drift um, out of games sometimes. And I think that's, you know, when you've seen, whether it's Jason Tatum or, or, or Kemble Walk or, or other guys kind of taking more of a, a prominent role um, on offense and, you know, Jalen Brown really picking up um, usually the first assignment defensively that um, the way the kind of flow of the game goes that sometimes he can, um, you know, have a stint of, you know, six, seven minutes where he just isn't that um, impactful. But I think, you know, with Gordon Hayward going out, there's, you know, a real, you know, feeling around the team. You know, the gloss of the, the Kemba Walker signing has kind of um, gone off last year and there's, you know, a real feeling that Jason Tatum is, is the man and, and rightfully so, but Jalen Brown's a real kind of um, partner in crime linchpin to, to what they're going to do. And I think he's got everything... Um, there to be a really good player and last year we saw the step I think the year before was when he first you know went early on a draft board and I think in the end actually even getting dropped from um, a roster because he just wasn't really contributing but um, he ended up as 48 or 49 on my big board so at 42 it's, it's very similar to, to Shea and Chris Middleton I think it's a touch earlier than I would have hoped to kind of for him falling but you know, if, if you want these guys and you want to target them and get them into your squad, um, I'm not going to um, have too many concerns of, you know, someone having him just a you know, touch higher than me and, and paying the price that needs to be paid to, to get him in. So Jalen Brown, 42, um, fine with it. Next pick is one of the most interesting picks in <laughs> um, the NBA Fantasy Draft every year, and that's Mitchell Robertson at pick 59. So... Um, again, the idea of Mitchell Robertson and his skill set, um, in my mind, watching him, there's there's flashes where you think he can be a, a top 20 player and the top 20 is you know in the mould of your Rudy Gobert, whereas you're not taking any shots, but you're taking 7 to 10 shots a game and shooting it at 70% um, and then adding you know, three blocks and 14 rebounds to that, something like that, um, consistently over, you know, the course of a whole season makes the upside so huge that it cannot be ignored. But as we've seen multiple um, times now in the past year and even the year before, that there's real issues in terms of him staying on the court and, and, and foul trouble. And I guess issues with his offensive game where... Um, he can't really be played um, and, and the coach has to you know, make a decision about how often they really kind of go to Mitchell Robertson in the middle and how much it stifles some of the other things they um, can do. Um, some of the most um, vomit-inducing um, Instagram or Twitter videos of the lockdown or break was, was Mitchell Robertson posting videos of him crossing people up on the three. 
um, just just gym guys, no one in particular. And, um, all the comments and stuff saying, "Oh my God, he's added the handle." And for me, the crossover was the most high crossover I've ever seen, and something that gets picked off in an NBA game every time. Um, I like um, the effort. I like the <laughs> um, the feeling that he's going to add a lot to his game, and I think he could. <laughs> um, but like other players, the risk is 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 high that. He's, he's a bit of a, a dud again, um, and I say that in the nicest way possible, but the the raw kind of talent um, is too hard to ignore, and because of that, he, I had him at 62 on my board, and there's a real big trend of, of um, Liv and Levita Luca taking guys just before I've had them, so again, if this pays off, it has the potential to really round out a playoff, you know, um, fantasy squad. You need some of these players that you take to outperform their, you know, their expectations. And Mitchell Robertson every year, and especially this one, I think, you know, has really had to be highlighted as a player that can can do that for a team. And I think the risk um, in that case is is worthwhile taking him a, a little early compared to. You know where people might have him, where he was on the ESPN rankings, and I guess where his average kind of placed him for last year, because um, I really think he can make a leap. But again, we might get twenty games in the season and go, oh well, you know, failing still really an issue. Um, I don't really know where his you know role is in the in the Knicks. They're a bit stacked up forward. I know they play different roles, but you know, your Julius Randle, even your Obi Toppin, and other guys that are, are really going to get the counting stats, and um, unless you know, Mitchell Robinson can just alley-oop his way to, like, a 20 um, fantasy average. Like, is he, is he going to be worthwhile on a game-changer for your team and someone that you want to invest in at round six? Um, don't have the answers. I don't think anyone did, does, but, you know, they're the thoughts and probably thoughts of many with Mitchell Robinson. But next, uh, pick 62 in round seven, um is Kelly Oubre Jr., and I think he was a little bit, um, I guess there was a surprise for a few people with him going this early. I think last year's average, um, it was about 20. It was bang on 20. Um, makes for good reading. I think, you know, the way he played in, in, in Phoenix was, was really impressive. He ended up being one of the better picks of the draft last year. Um, I think Walsh had taken him in the 90s. Um, and... Obviously, this year with Golden State, there's you know question marks on, on, on what his his role is, but I think you know they they pay him the money, um, and, and and do the deal um, for him to be a better Andrew Wiggins than Andrew Wiggins. I think if that makes sense, I don't know. I think I, I really like him as a three and D wing that you know plays hard, that's athletic, that is hitting the board on rebounds. You know, can dunk over a guy. Um, has been shown to you know be a reliable three point shot enough. Um, that, you know, he, he does everything that, um, I guess, you, you kind of want. It's just, you know, is he going to do it at the clip that you need, um, you know, with an Andrew Wiggins who, for, for all these kind of um, shots, you know, I think it's a real question mark whether Kelly Oubre Jr. or Andrew Wiggins is going to be the highest average, you know, fantasy player at the end. I know I'd probably bet on Kelly Oubre. I like him better, but I think it's a real question you need to ask yourself. Um, when you're looking at, at Golden State this year, there's a little bit of you know question marks 
around you know what um, Draymond Green is going to be and how much a role James Wiseman, um, who knows what Andrew's going to be. There's a lot of question marks for me to really bank on on Kelly Oubre at pick 62. Um, again, I, I mean, I don't don't hate it. It's it's fine. I had him ranked 70 on my board to to continue the trend. Um, it's just you know consistently. Um, Liv and Levita Luca going these guys, you know, a little bit early. Maybe, you know, the, the coach has, um, you know, all the intel and everything kind of pays off and it, it's looking fantastic. But um, it's, it, it'd be nice to have a player stand out where you go, oh, wow, I think you got him really late. He's a steal. Um, I think it's just kind of going to, to trend this year. And Kelly Oubre might have, you know, been a little bit of reach compared to where you've got him. I can't say for certain, but... Um, I think he's a real, real X factor, and I, I, I love his his game um, from a fantasy perspective. And we'll see how he kind of does. I think Golden State's going to be interesting. Again, they're the, the first game uh, of the season, uh, so maybe we get a real look straight away. I don't know. I'm playing um, living living Levita Luca first off the bat, so I hope he sucks at least in round one. But <laughs> I think I think I think he's going to he's going to be a fun player to watch at the very least. Um, Next is Giante Murray. Giante Murray. I think I said it right the second time. That stumbled me up a little bit. Interesting player for the past two years. And I think the jury's still a little bit out on his fantasy potential. Um, I had him at ranked 90, bang on, on my board. So, um, I guess the way... I, I, I think 16.8 average last year. There's a little bit of concern about him being consistent enough um, and I think the defensive um, I guess upticks on his game um, don't translate as much into you know the fantasy points um, so you really got to have to focus in uh, on his shooting which we know has a little bit to, to, to be decided and, and whether he can really like run an offense I know there's still the concern of you know there's Derek White there's Paddy Mills um, if you gave me all three of those for Again, for a slam dunk for Dejounte Murray to be the best of them fantasy wise, like I, I just don't know. I don't think so. Again, I like his potential better than the other two, and I'd probably take them before, and that's why I've got him ranked before. But when you when you're taking them this early, you kind of really want to want to know that that's gonna gonna play out for you. Um, I know as a Spurs Spurs fan, um, Coach Dobes. You know, really, I like. I like when you, you you know you have a guy on your team, you you want to pick him and want to watch him. So, um, I think maybe if he's you know really seen an uptake, um, this might be the year that you take him at seventy nine and he he performs all your expectations because I think last year was the year coming back from you know an ACL that the tickets were were really on him for to be a fantasy player, and he probably um, failed to reach those heights. But a year removed from that. You know, you can get him at a little bit, um, you know, cheaper price. The the hype's not there, and, and if you can perform, um, you know, to the expectations of a year ago, you have a really solid fantasy player moving forward. So, I think I think it's it's fine. It's just the same trend for me. If things don't go right, it's it's a touch early. Um, but kind of bucking the trend because I've said similar things for for eight rounds in a row. But um, Chris Boucher um, at pick 82 in round 9 was probably one of the big uh, and first head scratches, I think, of, of the draft. And 
I know where he's going here. I, I like um, the idea that um, he's going to come in and kind of fill a need at Toronto. Um, you know, the departures of Marcus Sol and um, Sergio Barker and, you know, other players, you know, picking up um, the slack. There's a, a feel, and he played quite well last year, you know, someone that's come up from the G League um, that has the tools. Um, and I think... Um, Coach Lena really likes, um, uh, you know, the way he fits to the Raptors. Um, and he can do a little bit of everything. He's quite defending. He's got that, you know, huge wingspan to, to make defensive play, plays. He's not afraid to kind of get down and do any, try and dunk the ball on you. Um, it's just the pick 82. I think a lot of people probably didn't have him on their board until well into the hundreds. Um, and I just think you could have got him later. I... I'm excited to see what he does, and um, he has, he has potentially maybe that um that feel of you know how Siakam just burst onto the the, the scene uh, two years ago, um, but that is a really really um positive <laughs> outlook if you wanna if we wanna think that way. So um, I think you know players like OG and Anubi um, you know went three picks after. And I think it's I think it's fairly safe to think that OG's got the the track record and the the expectation that he's going to be a better fantasy player. So it's a little bit of head scratcher for me when you've had you know other guys on the board still there. Um, you know, Buddy Heel just went straight after um, a guy that I love this round that I'll talk to later in terms of Brandon Clark and Bogdan Bogdanovich. There's there's just like a lot a lot of talent still left on the board that I think it's really, really risky and someone you could have got a lot um, later. But it'd be interesting to know if anyone had him on their board. Could be fun. <laughs> All right, so uh, next off, as we get into you know the back five of his picks, a pick that I, I really like. Um, so we'll go with Kobe White um, here next at um, pick 98. Um, so... Kobe White, we've got a glimpse of the bubble. Um, 99, pick 99, sorry. We've got a glimpse of, you know, not in the bubble, sorry. It was like just before the season kind of kick, uh, ended that, you know, Kobe White has, you know, evolved a little bit more into, you know, your bench run and gun shooter. You know, there was that game where he hit like seven threes and I think he went off everyone's wave a while. Um, but then he was back on that, you know, a week later. Um, he, had, he had a stretch of games where, you know, it made the questions of, you know, okay, what is Chicago doing at the point? Are they going to trade, you know, Zach Levine? There's a good enough play for you to raise those questions. It makes me feel that um, there's not many other people in this draft that had the upside of Kobe White. Um, so I think to, to be able to roll the dice and get him um, at pick 99 is, is really savvy. And it's um, one pick that we can look back on and, and, and say, you know, if there's success, the team live in Levita Luca that you know you'd point at Kobe White as potentially one of those guys um, that did it. And um, on my big board, he was pick one, two, three, four, four, six, seven, eight, eighty-six. So first one for him to <laughs> really um, get a player that was late on my big board. So I would have loved to have had him at ninety-nine. Um, it'd be interesting who I ended up taking over him. Um, I took Thomas Bryant over him and I don't know if I was loving that but um, yeah, Kobe White's a great pick um, very stoked 
um, for him there. Uh, next is a guy that I know a lot of people would have had earlier if they didn't click on him and see that he was uh, currently injured um, and not ready to play when the regular season begins. Um, so that's Jaron Jackson Jr. And there's not a, t- a timetable of him return. And there's a, a <laughs> the latest info is that he's expected to miss a decent chunk of time. No specifics, but confirmed that the team does not expect Jackson to be ready early in the season. So that's huge red flags. Um, and I think based on last season and some of the injuries um, that kind of derailed me, I was trying not to, to get injured. I think Jaron Jackson would have gone two to even three um, rounds earlier if it wasn't for that. He was ranked 78 on my big board um, and with an asterisk next to him just because of his injury. So I think myself and a few of the people around drafting um, looked at him and I think there was even a conversation <laughs> about him being injured. Um, or maybe that conversation got came after he got drafted because there's a, a real concern about um, when he's going to be back. But when he is back, and if he can, um, you know, Coach Dobbs can roll with the punches and be in a position um, where he's got a winning record or, or close to or whatever by the time he comes back, then awesome. And hopefully, you know, with the expanded IR and everything that we're doing, um, you're able to carry him because... He has all the, you know, really good kind of raw potential. We, should, we saw in his rookie season how good he was. I think his average of 17.8 was only really a glimpse of what he can do last season. Um, but again, and what we've seen with other injured players, that once they come back, sometimes you even need some time as well to, 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 to wait for them to come. So we'll see with him. Um, next, round 12, is 119. And he went with um, one of the most interesting rookies, um, of the 2020 class, and that's French point guard Killian Hayes. So I think at 119, um, it's it's a risk, but I, like, I think on this back end, there's you know a few um, rookies that are worthy of being drafted, and they're the ones that are going to walk into a little bit of a role, and I think we've seen enough um, that Killian Hayes you know, has one hand on the um, starting position for, for the point guard and if he can show really that he's worth the investment and you know not too raw that he puts two hands on that and he can be a really fun um, player the, the risk is massive but that's not to say that it's a it's a savvy pick I think you know with a lot of rookies especially rookie point guards um, the down days are going to be bad um, and it's going to take some time and like similar to Lamelo Ball um, the shooting might be an issue early, depending on where he's kind of getting his shots, especially if he has to create for himself. Um, but, you know, he's dynamic enough, um, he's big enough that, you know, some of the counting stats are hopefully going to keep him um, buoyant enough to be worthy to, to hold in fantasy. And, and the upside is there that, you know, if you can get to the back end of the season and he's still on your roster and you're in a winning position, that he's played his, his way into to being a real contributor. Um there's definitely a world where this um, is is not a rosterable player, um, and not in the top 120, I guess. But um, you know, you, you do what you want with 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 Killian, and he's, he's worth the risk. I love would have loved him, you know, <laughs> on the the second to last round. But I think we've known that you need to pay the price 
um, in our league if you want a guy like that. Um, he's got the upside because otherwise everyone else is going to snap him. So I think he wouldn't have lasted too much longer, I feel. So in that case, um, I think it's a good pick. Um, but again, we'll, <laughs> it, it, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Brooke Lopez had 122 next round, 13. It's fine. Um, I think you'll see, like last year, um, he he's fit into a really you know solid role with um, the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, people uh, are finally kind of cottoning cottoning on. I think you know he's developed as well. It's not just um, people realizing it, but his defensive aspect of his game um, in terms of manning the paint and really kind of his rotations and um, while his rebounding numbers aren't great, you know, his defensive boxing out, um, his pressure he puts on offensive boards, um, it's all there. Where Whether it comes into being a um, fantasy um, asset, again, um, there's, there's some concern. I think, um, again, it, it depends on some of his three-point shooting and, and how efficient he can be there. It's 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 gonna be it's it's gonna be hard. I reckon you again. You're gonna have games where you know you're scoring you know, ten to twelve, and um, in terms of fantasy points, and not really being um, a, a huge addition to your team. But there will be teams where he kind of goes off for, for eighteen uh, points and a half, and um, really holds holds up his end of the bargain. I had him really on, on the back end of my big board. Um, you know, a potentially a flyer in the last couple of rounds. If you know you felt like you had done a lot of risky moves to beforehand so to as someone that's a little bit solid that can tie off a loose end um you know i think that there's there's players that would have been more interesting um around the same time i know um so as we look miles bridges just after even jay rich um Anthony Edwards, uh, other players that went after Brook Lopez in that round, I think are more interesting players that he could have tied off. But I, I, I know the you wouldn't want to back up Killian Hayes with you know Anthony Edwards and another rookie, um, and adding Brook Lopez just gives you a little bit of a um, a core base. And um, I'm never going to say too many bad things about Brook Lopez because he's uh, my boy and Nets royalty, so that's fine. Uh, <laughs> next pick. I think Seth Curry is really interesting uh, in round 14, obviously moving to Philadelphia to play that. Um, uh, JJ Redick role was really the kind of um, what they said, but I think, you know, Seth Curry's um, shown that he can be a more uh, dynamic scorer than just a shooter um, in, the, in the mold of Joe Harris a little bit, that he can take it to the rim. Um, but obviously the benefit is being on a team who's, you know, stacked and got lofty expectations um, and they're going to, you know, surround Embiid and, and Simmons um, with shooting and if he can um, make enough threes, um, he's a player that ties off a, a loose end for you at the back of the draft and I think he can be um, quite good. So no problems with that. Again, he was placed similarly to, to Brook Lopez as a, a guy if you if you don't want to take too many more risks, um, depending on the balance of your, your roster, you can go with him late. So no problems there. You know, there's a world where he, he gets dropped for free agency, but you know, that's what happens with your last two picks. Um, and if things go right then you're you're on a winner there. Next and last for Livin Levita Luca for draft twenty twenty one is Aussie homeboy and favourite Joe Ingalls. So um Fine, fine last acquisition. I think he was on and off the free agency market last year, but we know that there were stretches where 
depending on on how Utah were looking. He was actually playing uh, like a point guard, kind of a hybrid. Um, someone who is, you know, basketball IQ is, you know, what I think um, the coaching staff and everyone really rate about Joe Ingles. He's just a smart guy who gets into the right spots. He's defensive, um, you know, team basketball in terms of getting the right spaces, taking charges, being really um, handy, handsy and niggly um, with hands in the lanes. His shooting's fantastic. Um, if he can get, you know, looks um, and tie it off with, you know, five rebounds, five assists, couple of steals, like, He's in the money for someone who's um, definitely worth a, a late-round flyer, and you just hope that when you start watching um, Utah, they're putting a, as much uh, importance into Joe Ingles as they have been in stretches, because when that happens, he's a really, really good addition um, and fantastic player. Again, it's it's not a sexy, you know, risky last-round pick, but um, they don't need to be because we've seen his, in historically most of the players that get drafted in the last round um, uh, you know, sexy picks end up in free agency. So, um, at least for the first couple of rounds, and see what you got. It gives you um, security, someone that you know could really um, definitely outperform what is the last round of your team. So that is um, quick reviews for our first two teams. Um, we're gonna finish it there, um, and I'll make sure I turn out all the rest for the the next teams but I guess you know this is quite niche um, for, for the league um, and I think everyone who listens mostly listens to that but it is a, a an overwhelming just kind of look into my thoughts of fantasy and it gives you a little bit of basis on on stuff before you know you may draft if you're anyone else but I think it was a really good start and some interesting picks um, wanting not to go too too heavy on the negative <laughs> but I think overall if things pan right um, for Doves, you know, he'd be eyeing off playoffs in his second year. Um, for it to go right, I think, um, you know, the risky picks that have... I don't even know if you call him risky, but Shea needs to kind of pop. Jalen Brown needs to pop. Luka Doncic needs to prove that he's, you know, a top three player. Um, and if you can get Mitchell Robinson and, you know, DeJounte Murray to be anything of what, you know, the potential is, you, you've put yourself in a huge, huge positive position. Um, for MJ and for um, the Hateful Laden, you just can't go wrong with Giannis. Um, you, he's really quite stacked, I think, in terms of fantasy uh, um, points, but the concern is that it's a little bit old. There's no real X factor there. Um, but if you can get anything from Whiteside, if you can get something from Griffin... If Gordon can can outperform, you've got such a solid um, floor in Giannis Kawhi and DeAndre and Demar with your first four picks. Like, I think if, at the end of the season, um, bets are or odds are that you know his top four will outperform anyone else's, and when that happens, you set yourself in a, a hugely positive position moving forward. So, um, they're my thoughts. We'll we'll come back for the rest of them when I have time, but. Thank you, um, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers, guys.